Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And to the show, we're talking about how to rent to your family the right way. And again, this is another one of those ones where I go off to Taranaki, I get new podcast topics from my family and friends. And some of my friends are thinking about buying a property for their mum to live in. And we always tell you guys, do not rent out to family because it doesn't go well. But here's the thing. I know that most of you, if you're thinking about doing it, you're going to ignore us. You're going to do it anyway. You're going to do it anyway. So if you're going to buy a property, an investment property for your family to live in, how do you do it? Now, Andrew, why are people so set on renting to family? I think that they think they can have two bites of the cherry. They think, I can invest in property, but then I can also help my family out. I can be the knight in shining armor and I can help mum and dad out or I can help my cousin out or whoever it is. And they're going to look after the property better because I know them. They're nice people. They're respectful people and they're always going to pay their rent. I'll get a good return and I'll get capital growth. Where's the flaw in this model? Yeah, maybe I don't need a property manager because I know them and they're nice people. Now, why do we usually recommend against it before we tell people how to actually do it? So the main one is you're not going to get as good a return because the property value is going to go up. And I guarantee you, I promise you that the rents are going to lag behind. So I had an investor client of mine who they bought a property for mum to rent in Timaru. Now, the market rent at the time was 300 bucks a week. And they thought, well, we don't need a property manager and we're helping mum out. So we're going to rent it to her for 250 a week because we don't need to worry about property manager or vacancy, anything like that. Now, they're already $50 a week behind the market. So they're subsidizing mum by $50 a week. Now, that's the start of the issue, but you've got to remember that subsidy creeps up over time because rents are going to go up 4 to 5% a year and it's hard to increase the rent for poor old mum. But it is very difficult to have that conversation, especially with your parents about money. So typically the rent doesn't go up, right? No, and with my investors, it got to a point where it was $200 a week out of kilter with the market rent and all started because of a $50 a week behind the market. And then, and then they put up the mum's rent to $300 a week, but by then the market rent for their property was $500 a week. So it becomes a problem that just exaggerates over time. Okay, so if people are going to do it anyway, though, Andrew, they are not <laughs> going to heed the warnings because they'll make up reasons why about how their oh, situation yeah. is different. How do they do it the right way? And I think step number one is do not accept money from the parent. So buy it on your own, not with any of the parent's money, if it's your parent. Because what's going to happen is the rent is going to get all money. So that you might agree with them, okay, we're going to go half and half, so you pay us half of the market rent. And what's going to happen is anytime you want to increase the rent or, or anytime there's a dispute, what is likely to happen, and what I've seen happen, is the parent then thinks, well, this is my house, and you put money in, but you're getting capital growth out of it over time. Yes. And so I helped you buy this property because I put in money too, and you couldn't have bought this property without me. And so I've helped you too, and it just gets messy. Because in these situations, they typically only see what you're getting out of it rather than what you put into it in terms of, well, hey, man, we borrowed $300,000 for servicing this mortgage. You know, We need to put the rent up. And this is where it stops becoming an investment property. It just becomes a property that you own and don't get a good rental return out of. And the other issue you have when you put money in with your parent is you lose control over your asset. They're now in charge about deciding when you sell it and when you move out because you can't sell it without their permission if they also own some of it. So the first thing you've absolutely got to do is get control over your asset. Do not accept money from them to do it. And I know some of you are going to do it anyway, but I really recommend you 
you think through that because things can and they will go wrong. Yeah, and I think one thing I'd add there is, this is going to sound harsh, and it's harsh because I think you need to take this kind of stuff seriously. I had an investor that came to see me, you know, mum, dad, and a couple of kids, reasonable income, and they wanted to help her mum out. Now, they're podcast listeners, so they knew better. And actually, they, I think they'd come through our service as well. They met with a property partner. The property partner gave them the advice that I would give them, buy in these areas, buy this type of property, it'd be a good investment for your future. Now, they fell down the trap of, and they, they said to me when they had a meeting with me, I know you say we shouldn't do this, but we did. We bought a property for mum. And look, if that makes you happy and, and you're going to do it anyway, go for it. But they ended up buying something that was specific to mum's needs. They bought in an overvalued market. They bought a property that I would not recommend as an investment. What sort of property? Heavy maintenance, like high maintenance property. Oh, was it a beautiful old villa that requires some maintenance? Yeah, I think it might have been an adjoining unit or something like that, but it just needed some work done. It was way more money than I would recommend for that area. And they're undercharging her for rent. Now, the problem isn't that they did that and they're helping someone out because, you know, there are some pros to it. But the problem is now. They can't actually invest, and that property is going to cost them because they bought it while interest rates were low. So the top up was like nominal. It might have been 50 bucks a week. They could afford that. When that interest rate comes off, and it was coming off like the month after they were meeting with me, it was like 35 grand a year they were going to have to be topping up that property for a market that's not going to go up for an asset that's really not that great. And now they can't buy anything else. But the harsh part of this was I said to them, you're not rich enough to be making these kind of decisions. Like, if you've got heaps of money, like if I wanted to go out and buy a property to rent out to my mum, I've built up enough of an asset base that I can afford to make those decisions. You can't. So you need to think about yourself first because you're going to suffer for that in the long run. Yeah, I'm not rich enough to go buy a house for my mum, for example, uh, though she's got her own one, thankfully. Oh, good on you, Ali. Now, I think the other big thing, and, and again, that kind of comes from that story, but also just other investors I've seen is you want to get your base criteria and then buy an investment property that suits you. So again, the thing that I've seen in the past is that people buy a more expensive property than they can afford because they're buying for someone else. So a good investment property might cost 600k. But they're spending 800k because it's the spec of the house or the location of the house that mum or dad wants or whoever it's going to be. So you're going to take on more debt to do that. And if I was doing this, I would see what mum's absolute needs were. So two bedroom unit, basic house, and it doesn't matter where it is. And then I'd go and buy the best investment property I could based on that criteria. So that if she moves out, it's still going to be a good rental because if you go and buy something that's really suitable for mum, you're going to have to sell that later on. And if you've been captured by the 10-year bright line, that might not be a good investment for the remaining five years that you've got to hold on to it to see that bright line time out, for example. So you need to be running the numbers to say, is this actually a good investment property? And you might be able to sacrifice, you know, 10 points of return on investment, but I wouldn't be sacrificing any more than that. Yeah, I think a good point there is running the numbers as if it was a standard rental property to make sure it still stacks up. But obviously, the bright line test is going to go back to two years and that's going to help a bit with that situation. But you're wanting to buy something you can hold on for the long term because there can be legitimate reasons why you would not sell a property and would continue holding it for the long term even if mum moves out. So if you were investing in a place like Tokoroa in South Waikato, you know that you are going to have longer periods of time where property prices are flat or go down a bit. And that's because you're buying a property in a small market, whereas, of course, in, in bigger cities, property prices go up more consistently. Well, what happens if you buy and then eight years later, mum moves out and you want to sell 
but actually the price of the property has gone down. Well, you've got a legitimate reason why you want to hold on while you wait for that next boom in property prices. Well, if it's not a good rental, you're going to suffer then. Now, Andrew, what happens if I get mum or dad's criteria, I go and find something I can afford and that I think is going to be a good investment property, but then dad doesn't like it? I think it's tough luck at that stage because at the end of the day, like if you're buying for an investment and mum and dad can rent it and and rent it at a fair rate and sure, you might deduct 20 bucks because you don't have to worry about the property manager or something to give them a bit of a break. Yep, that's fine. But if, if they can't make that work, then that's okay. Go get them to rent something else and you can help them out with their rent. So one of the suggestions I gave to my investors I was working with is rather than sacrifice 35 grand a year, Give your mum a hundred bucks a week towards her rent and you'll lose less money and then buy the right rentals. But in that case, your hundred bucks a week subsidy is fixed. Now it's incumbent on your parent to have the conversation with you about getting more money over time rather than you having the conversation with them about giving you more money each year. Now, having said that, if you are going to rent out to your parents, I would set rent reviews for early April every single year. Now, Andrew, why do you think I've chosen April? Because it's the start of the financial year. Yeah, what happens then? I was just thinking because of the financial year. Yeah, true. But superannuation gets put up every April. Ah, April the 1st or or thereabouts, superannuation gets reviewed. So if your parent is a superannuitant, I would do it at April because that is when their income is going to increase. So before they get used to that 4 or 5% bump in their income, that's when you want to have that conversation because you know that's when their income is going up. And I know that sounds miserable, but it is the right time to have that conversation because you know that their income is increasing and you can publicly find out how much superannuation is going up. Now, I would personally create a formula for those rent reviews so that it is always crystal clear. So if superannuation has gone up by 4% a year, you might say, rent is going to go up by whatever superannuation is increased by express as a percentage. You might decide that it is the average rent change in the area. So if you say, okay, we're going to look at tenancy services data and we're going to look at the average change in the bond expressed as a percentage, that could be your increase. Now, let me just give you some numbers there because that came out way more complicated than I thought it was going to. So if the average rent in your area is 500 bucks a week, and next year it's 520 bucks a week, that is a 4% increase, and so you increase it by 4%. Or you might just have a flat, hey, we're going to increase it by 3% a year. I want something crystal clear that is going to take the emotion out of it because you don't want to get into those awkward conversations with your parents. So that is what I'd highly recommend. But I think the biggest thing is, look, again, our advice is not to do this, but if you're going to anyway, because clearly people are going to, then make sure you do apply as much of an investment lens as possible because otherwise you are taking from yourself or make sure you're rich before you do it. I think the other thing is that we're asking you to have a lot of those hard conversations up front with your family if you are going to rent to them because what we're trying to help you avoid is having those really tough conversations later when things have already gone wrong. Andrew and I both get emails and messages from other podcast listeners where things have gone wrong, right? And we have a conversation, try and help them out. What we're trying to do now is help you guys avoid the same mistakes that other podcast listeners have made in the past. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you're thinking about investing in property in 2024, you've got to try out my new calculator. I've taken all of the new bank rules, put it in one calculator so you can figure out, well, can I actually afford an investment property in 2024? 
If you want to try that out, just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash twenty twenty four. That's two zero two four to try it out for free. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>